Karen Garrigy and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at to a moment where they had the last laugh. And I was like, oh, you know, if you have any tips or anything for next time, he's like, well, the thing about panel show is, Ashling, the host is like the dad, you know, and we're sort of like brothers when, you know, daddy or whatever is talking, the little girl should shut the fuck up. And I remember going, oh, oh God, sorry. So, oh God, sorry, yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I just apologized, apologized, apologized. And then I went up to my hotel room and I bawled my eyes out. Now the little girl earns so much more money than daddy. <laughs> um, I'd say my tax bill alone is probably what they earn in a year. So yeah, to, to, I would just say to daddy, and I, I mean this in honestly the most kind, polite way, like suck my big fat dick. <laughs> Actor and comedian Ashling B is my first guest this season. She talks to me about growing up in a horsey family, climbing aboard the period slash boob train and treading fine lines in stand-up. I am delighted to tell you that this season of the Laughs of Your Life podcast is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this spring. I know I'll be doing exactly that. I am sick of looking at the clothes I have at home for the past two years. All I want is colour and brightness. And fun fact, FNF jeans are now made with 100% organic or more sustainably farmed cotton. So if you're in the market for a new pair of jeans, pop in for those. I'll keep you posted on any fab bits I pick up when I'm in store. FNF is available at selected Tesco stores. You can find out where your nearest store is by visiting tesco.ie forward slash store locator. And now for my chat with Ashling B. I hope you enjoy. Ashling B. Bonjour. You are extremely welcome. Thank you. To the Last of Your Life podcast. Thank you. It's the last thing I wanted to do before I died. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's a sort of, it's a, the name of the show is so like, the laughs of your life now that you're about to die. Like, oh, God, is this the end? You're the second guest that said that. I'm Only really? the second, though. <laughs> um, but no, we're going to talk about laughter. We're going to mm. enjoy ourselves. Okay. And uh, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm happy you're here to do it. Like, you are kind of a, a global superstar. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it so I didn't have to. Because it's just so awful when I have to crowbar that in myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> When you're trying to finish someone's sentence, do you mean global superstar? No, I was just asking if you wanted a cup of tea. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Will you tell me about your first memory of laughter, Ashling B? Well, it's sort of a memory of laughter, but I'm not sure if it, it, it would be classified in the comedy dictionary under prank. And um, I remember my mother was watching the races on the telly and um, she went, she had a glass of, I had a glass of orange juice and she had a cup of tea and she went out to sort of like go to the loo or something like that. And I remember it was just such an active thought and I don't know where I got the idea that like I'm going to put orange juice in her tea. I'm going to do it. It's going to be, I can't describe why I want to do this or or where I learned, like I'm not sure if I learned it from like an American kids TV show of like pranks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a prank. Yeah. It's making someone feel bad for a laugh. <laughs> which is what pranks sort of are. And I poured the orange juice into her tea and I was like, this is, what a mad rush. <laughs> and like, we didn't have many neighbours or anything. Like we lived, like it was just myself, my mother and my sister. So we had quite a small group of people in the house. So I was like, one third of the people who live in this area are going to love this joke. <laughs> um, 
and I poured tea and she came back she's like oh Ashling, what's that I was like I put orange juice in your tea <laughs> and she's like why did you do that I was like I I don't know I don't know and it's the first maybe joke I was like that went wrong but I'll stand by the right to do it and I remember finding it so funny but she couldn't <laughs> understand why I would have done it and I didn't only now I'm like oh that's a prank like I know what that falls <laughs> under but it was like something within me needed to perform a prank I just I don't like a trick maybe that's why I never successfully did prank shows um like it's the one thing I'm not really I don't really do at all is any sort of prank and was your sister TV. there did she laugh I mean she would have been a baby but I'm sure I've trained her into someone <laughs> over the years who will know her cues to laugh what's the age gap three years okay yeah and she really loves me talking about her no, that's a big joke, dear, and she's really different. I'm like, she's three years, and that is legal information which you can find at the deaths, births, and weddings records office. Oh my god, does she not like you talking about her? And like, it's just too much, isn't it? And yeah. also, I think, I think what's what's fair is that I control the narrative because I'm in the public eye. Yes. Whereas God, I would probably like, you know, my pants if my family started doing their version of events. Like, imagine, imagine if someone did a podcast going, last of our lives with Darren, and that's us being sarcastic. Like, imagine if your family just started doing oh my God. their side of the story. I think I'd, yeah, I'd really, my mother's would be very long if she did her side of the story. Not, not because there's loads of stories, but because that woman doesn't know how to edit. That's a, also a joke. <laughs> Mammy's a very funny person. I've never thought of it that way. I don't yeah. want, I'd hate to know. Well, I remember um, Sarah Pascoe, who's a brilliant comedian that I'm sure lots of Irish people know. Um, she's one of my best friends and she has stand up about me really being obsessed with first dates. And at the moment, she has a bit of stand up about me giving her crystals um, for fertility. And then she also had a bit in her book about me. I can't remember what it was, but I remember, even though it's all absolutely really funny and, and lovely, I remember being a bit like, oh, what's, What's people's view of me, like the things you don't kind of want to know? Like, what's yeah. a funny angle on me? Ugh, I'd hate know? to know. Yeah, isn't that awful? I'd rather just do it to other people. Are you into crystals? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I am. I am yeah. a, a woman of a certain age who was brought up in the Catholic Church and said no, and then was like, but crystals. <laughs> so like the magic <laughs> never really gets rid of, you know, you never really get rid of the magic. You're like, oh my God, the way the Catholic Church used to have its grips on us and especially as women, like no more, no more. That said, I'm not going to go out without at least a minimum of a bit of rose quartz, some selenite, like just to heal some of my vibes. I keep some, you know, the other ones by my computer just to get rid of any negative energy that might come in through my emails. <laughs> better better sage the house to get rid of the negative energy oh my god but we need some of the other type of sticks to bring in some positive energy or else you might cleanse out the positive energy as well oh my god thank god we did that um, yeah so you do end up being like oh god they got once they get you young do you know who the first person I saw who was into crystals yeah Spencer from the hills uh, the hills <laughs> yes so I only came to the hills way later in life same recently and so that Spencer he does his hills and he him his wife Heidi do all their like crystal <laughs> stuff and you know I'm so into it I wasn't like oh these people I was like I wonder how much they go for and where they're sourced and are they ethically sourced and like I had a good old spring through his <laughs> website well, ethical ways to get them and then non it yeah 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 like anything in life there's ethical ways yeah. to do everything and True. very unethical ways to like dig up stones from a variety of mines <laughs> around the world and we were like oh we kind of didn't really think about that no we didn't when we were doing our little white lady ceremonies oh um, so yeah so there are ethical ways to dig stuff out of the ground and non-ethical ways 
talk to me about that time the, time, the, the, the prank the prank time of your life yeah big prank still, still talking about it you were a big horse family or still are yeah I just didn't expect that question and it came out so <laughs> I can see maybe you weren't from a horse family because we don't go but listen prank you are a big horse family it's like, tell me about the race <laughs> but even tell me about the racing is, 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 is a more direct but then you're a big horse family as if like a family who look like horses why the long faces? Um, we, yeah, we were, uh, are, are a big horse family. Um, and uh, people who come to my house in Kildare, where my mom lives, you know, they'd have a, an instinct like, oh yeah, no, her mother was a retired jockey. My dad was an equine vet. We grew up in Kildare town where it's like if, um, I often say it's like as if, you know, everyone in your town was a magician. And you were trying to explain to them, you're like, oh, yeah, but everyone in this town's a magician or <laughs> something to do with magic. And it's really boring to you. The same <laughs> thing is like with jockeys. Right. Like everyone in the industry is like the army or even even with the army, it's the horse part of the army. The horse army, they call it. <laughs> Neutral horses re- representing the Republic of Ireland. Um, <laughs> but yes, so horse family and in my house in Gildare, like even my mother's toilet seat has race horses on it. And I didn't really notice it until you have other people come in and you're like, whoa, like, so my English friends are going to go, oh my God, like, there's horses on the tea towels, there's horses on the like, oh my God, like, look at this, a toilet seat, man. It's that proper got toilet, toilet seat on horses and like, everything's horses. And you're like, yeah, now that you say it, there's quite a lot of horses. Jesus, we're stone mad for horses. Yeah, <laughs> turns out we are. We didn't really notice to us. To love a horse is like breathing air, you know, you don't ask a fish if it's wet. It just didn't even know. Yeah. You know, that's beautiful. Thanks very much. God, I have a lovely turn of phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley B. Yes. The first time you felt laughed at. myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time I felt laughed at. Oh, yes. Well, I remember um, when I first went to secondary school, uh, I didn't know, like I did, I turned my feet inwards. So I was born just walking with my feet turned inwards. Oh, okay. Like, like. Sorry, it, you were born that way. You but, didn't, it wasn't a decision. It wasn't an active decision by my family where we all got together and was like, I think this one will be extra special. <laughs> She'll have a different walk. Um, no, I, I, I walked with my feet turned in. Right. And like my mother for my first um, day of secondary school got me, do you remember like Doc Martens, but they were sort of like uh, Baby Jane shoes? Okay. So they weren't like Doc Martin boots. They were sort of like cutesy shoes, I thought, but they're actually big, what looks like doll's shoes, but like big Doc Martin ones, which are supposed, supposed oh, yeah, to be can... orthopedic as well. Yeah, okay. You know, which I think looking back, if anyone says the word orthopedic to you, you just know you're going to have a difficult year at school. <laughs> um, and I remember walking from the bus stop to school and the lads behind me laughing at my feet and I just knew they were laughing at the way I was walking with my feet turned in. And since then, I actively walked almost like the opposite, like a clown walk for probably a year to turn my feet out. And it half worked, like one of my feet still kind of goes in, but I properly like trained myself out through pure shame of lads laughing at me. And that's probably still why I am the way I am today. It's like the lads will not laugh at me from the school across the road. Had you been to a mixed primary school? No, no, Yeah, no, see, no, it's no, always no, no. scarier. Yeah, because you come in and you're like, what? This? No way. Am I not cool? No. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, so I was, yeah, so that's, I remember being, and I it really, it, it, I thank them for it because it turned my feet out. 
Oh my god! And to this day, I walk like a uh, professional model. <laughs> you know, rather than a, I don't know, pigeon. Um, so yeah. God, it's always the uh, feeling laughed at as a teenager that seems to have the lasting effect. Lasting product of the record. Oh my God, you're right. Darren, do you need us to turn off the record? That seems to have laughed at that. But I was laughing now. Thomas, huh? You said I'd never have my own podcast <laughs> during the 90s. You didn't even know what a podcast was, Thomas, but here I am. Last of your life with Darren Gary. Yeah. No, I'm fine. <clears throat> it's usually at that age, everything hits so hard. Yeah, it does. Also, it hits in a place you don't know that's about to come. Like you don't know you're about to become like a sexual creature. Yeah. But you have like an awareness of it between sort of 12 to 14, 15. You're like, oh, something's rumbling. Something rumbling everywhere. And I think it's rumbling with her more than it is me. But I know it's en route. Like this sort of like... You can hear the low sound of a train and you're looking around for the track going, am I going to get hit? Ah, am I going to get on the train? Like, period, boobs, penises. And you're like, ah, it's coming for me, but when? I know, and then you get the boobs and you don't want the boobs or they're yeah, too, and you then one, you, yeah. and you're like, when's the other one going to drop? <laughs> drop. <laughs> like Kanye's next album. Oh my God, when's the next part going to drop? But what yeah. were you, I, I reckon you were a good crack in secondary school. Ah, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've always yeah. been, I was, all, I was definitely, I was always a funny kid and I loved entertaining people. Yeah. I loved making people laugh. It's one of the great joys of my life is that I love making people laugh. It's not one of those, but what's behind the sad clown? You're like, yeah, sometimes sadness because I'm a human being, not a robot, but I love making people laugh and I love playing with people. So if I have someone to play with, that's my favorite state to be in. And I was even thinking about the show of like, like who's the funniest person or whatever it is. And I was like, I surround myself with funny people because for me, it's not about being the funniest person in the room. That's really boring. And when that happens on a show, you're stuck there with nothing other than your own thoughts. You thought of, you thought of at home and you just deliver them. People laugh and you're like, yeah, okay. But it's not, you don't, how to describe it? It's not, you do get something out of it, but it feels like work. Yes. Whereas when you have someone to banter with or play with, I suppose it must be like giving, I don't know, who's a famous tennis star now? Emma Raducanu. Emma Raducanu, you know, a ball and a wall. I'm sure she'll have a great time and she'll look very impressive knocking the ball against the wall. But if she gets someone else to play with, bada bing, bada boom, yeah. you know, suddenly yeah. she's at the, the New York Met in a great dress. Absolutely, she you know. nailed it. Okay, Ashley. Yeah, please. The moment when, if you didn't laugh, you cry. Oh yeah, well, I was thinking about this question because I don't have one. Laughter has followed me around and been my, like some people say, oh, is laughter your coping mechanism? Is that, is that how you cope? And you're like, yeah. Some people murder people to cope. Like it's, yeah, duh, of course it is, Grant. Yeah, but like not me. a bad one. Yeah, like absolutely, <laughs> if laughter is your coping mechanism, coping mechanism keep using it um <laughs> so I think I've always used laughter what what I find interesting though is there are certain subjects and because like laughter is my business is what pays my mortgage um I find it interesting when I come along stuff I want to talk about in on stage or in a script and I can't find the funny angle because I care about it too much an example was in, in episode four of my series and series two this way up um, I wanted to try and, and work in the Windrush scandal and it was still, it, it, 
I was trying to write it and it took so many millions of passes and pages and edits, especially because that's not directly my story, but it's something I have res- a responsibility around as just a person um, and and something I care deeply about because it affects a lot of people I love. But to get the angle on it where you could make jokes and not be making jokes at the expense or demeaning the subject matter, that's where that's where the work is. And where where is the line? So that that's the one thing I find. There are certain things I've yet to find the, the in. Yeah. Um. And then and I want to, but sometimes I'm like, oh, Ashley, you care too much. I can see it. Just yeah. you know, do something about how you you know an apple hit you on the head today or something instead. <laughs> you know. How do you learn that? I I'm so fascinated by stand up. Like, I often think about it, like the very first time you try stand up. Like, how scary is that? And then how is it just? going at it again and again and again and not yeah, let yourself it is it really is and it's um, it's it, it's two things first of all you have to be funny of course second <laughs> of all you have to have like a low shame threshold yeah and if you get up on a live stage and what people think of you can cripple you from doing it again first of all do try again but that that is the skit then you don't need to do it you don't need to become a stand up just stay funny with your friends in the pub glorious low risk but that is the part that it's tenacity and grit and graft and an ability to get embarrassed and be like, oh, that feels awful, but not awful enough to quit forever. To quit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the main one of the main uh, spirits you have to sort of have to kind of keep at it. The learning of where the line is, is through shame and embarrassment and getting it wrong, unfortunately. And that's so annoying. And I have the same like if I have a joke about any sort of ability or disability. If there's someone in a wheelchair in the audience who isn't laughing along, then I don't do it. But it doesn't mean I don't do jokes about disability or wheelchairs. Yes. But I'd like to think that I'd happily high five someone. I remember one time I had a joke about, it was one of my favorite moments doing a gig. And I was in Edinburgh, I was doing my show um, at the festival over there. And I end the show kind of singing the Baywatch theme tune, just real highbrow stuff. (laughs) Um, But I was, I, I had a bit of material about the time Kanye West said stopped his whole show and said everybody stand up everybody stand up and if you're not you know and in the audience he was like I'm not keeping going with this gig until everybody stands up and in the audience were about three or four people who were in wheelchairs and he highlighted them he's like why aren't you standing up and he couldn't see they were in wheelchairs and I remember talking about like imagine having the mad confidence to point at a person in a wheelchair and say stand up like imagine having that level of confidence um because he kept going even after he realized yeah and um at the end of my show, every single night, I would say, stop the show. I'm not starting this, doing the rest of this Baywatch theme tune until everybody stands up. And generally the audience would stand up. And that day, there were three people in wheelchairs of varying abilities in the front row. And I was like, yeah, they were having a good time. I was like, yeah, I'm keeping on. I was like, yeah, I'm talking to you guys. Thank you very much. And they were laughing along. And then there was one person um, who had uh, quite severe disabilities And I wasn't sure and they were there with their carer and I wasn't sure, you know, what their level was in terms of of um, of their abilities, what they were hearing and everything. And the audience felt a moment of discomfort and I could feel it. But I wanted him to be included. And there was this moment of such tension. And I was like, I think I'm about to maybe lose my career. And then slowly but surely I heard. And the man used his motorized wheelchair to like bring it right up to stand. And it was the biggest like heckle, funny moment, bit of pure timing I've ever had. And he's probably a Scottish person, but if he's out there, 
like at the time like Instagram and DMs and stuff weren't as big but like I would love to meet him again because it was so pure and I was like that's one of the best moments of my life just that moment um and it's so yeah, scary so, yeah but I sort of I knew what my intention was and I knew yes. where my heart was. Yeah. And that's important. But just because your intention or heart is in the right place, it doesn't always mean it ends up at its destination. And there's loads of like misplaced intentions in a lot of stuff. I'm sure in a lot of what I do as well. And you do just have to sort of check in with your gut where you're going. But that sound of his wheelchair lifting up was truly one of the, and it was just so funny. And then I was like, I'll be ready. <laughs> It was just, oh, just such a, and it was also purely live. No one was filming it. You know, it was pretty kind of like everyone just filming everything. And it was just purely for that audience that night. And it was so glorious and still is one of the best moments of my life. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Ashling B, your no laughing matter moment in life. No laughing matter. No room for laughter. Oh, oh God, I think I've just used that accidentally ah, in the I... one before. Ah, if you didn't that. laugh, you'd cry. Yeah. Oh, that was my no laughing matter. <laughs> oh, oh with, with, with like trying to use eco <laughs> stuff. Oh, I got, I'm so sorry, dear. You've ruined the format. The worst thing you can do in Turn a podcast is ruin the format. This is no laughing matter. This is terrible. Um, can I flip it? And, and in a way, can I'm allowed? Back reference. Do I go, can we go, who do we have to apply to? The government. Um, <laughs> the BAI. The BAI. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we had legally agreed to a certain format when Ashling came in, but it was um, walked by, uh, danced by with her little flip feet um, and disregarded completely. Ashling B, mm. the person you always laugh with. Oh, well, I have many people I laugh with because I manipulatively surround myself with funny people. And again, working in the clown factory, it means like all your friends are funny for a living. But the person I was thinking about this question and I was like, oh, other than my sister, I don't have as long of a history of in-jokes with anyone and probably never will. Yeah. Because of the time we've put into it. And it's my best friend and soulmate Brona C. Titley and she's an Irish uh, comedy writer and actress I know her and, do you know Brona? Yeah. Oh. Brona Brona oh. my heart my soul we call each other each other's soulmates and um, when she got married to her wife yeah. someone's uh, school friend from Ireland um, wrote to congratulate her on her wedding to Ashling B because we talk about so, each other so much on Twitter and Instagram as each other's soulmates. So she has this email about um, a congratulations to you and Ashling B on your recent wedding because he just thought she'd married me, not her wife. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brona and I, we just have so many silly in-jokes and she often, like we often say to each other about our relationship, like we kill, still keep it spicy for each other. <laughs> You know, like one of those couples who still really like touches each other, like into year 45. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I still love grabbing your arse. <laughs> you still got it. You still got it for me. It'll never wear off. And you're like, God, I hope like I end up like, like I yeah. hope I end up like that. We are like that, but with jokes, like we still bother to joke with each other 20 odd years into our friendship. Like we still bother to kind of like, hiya, just reminding you you're a stupid old bitch today. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> just to just send each other something for no reason other than try and make the other person laugh. Um, and it's very rewarding. How did you meet? We met um, at Trinity when I was there uh, uh, and I was going out with Cunnell from the from the um, the football back in my own hometown. That's not true, that was me trying to make a normal people joke. 
Um, but he was obsessed with this other girl he couldn't get over who just had no chat at all. <laughs> Made no jokes. <laughs> Introspective the whole time. Um, he was like, yeah, yeah, I know you're funny and all right. Yeah. Um, but I know when I was at Trinity and I joined Players, which is this... Um, I was in Players. Were you? Do you go to Trinity as well? Oh, look at the two of us. Listen, um, so it's a, for those who... I mean, for those who didn't go to Trinity, like, what were you doing? Um, but I'll explain. Players is like a, a drama group, society, um, where I... The reason I got a very low, low degree, which could never be used again, um, I spent most of my time in the, ah, the drama crack. society. Ah, the crack. See, I, I didn't have much fun there because I applied at like a professional gig <laughs> at all times. I did a play every three weeks for four years. I was in a pretty much all male sketch group. We did like three Edinburgh's. We did shows all the time. I had burnout at university from <laughs> doing more work than I do now. Um, oh and I was like, God. this is real life, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I remember going down the stairs of the building and hearing this girl talking with the same gag rate that I had. And it was like a moth to a flame. And I could hear this going, bam, 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 bam. And I was like, oh, yes, please. And I kind of gravitated towards her. And I was like, hi, Brona, bam. And she's like, bam. And we we're like, yeah, bam, 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 bam. And it was like the tennis star. Uh, Emma Raducanu. Emma Raducanu meeting I don't know, one of the Williams sisters yeah. and being like, yes, finally, someone who's at my level, giving it socks, let's go. And from then on, we've been at that level with each other our whole lives. And we love like, we kind of put on shows for her tired wife who's like, oh, she's back. She's she's visiting. <laughs> is she now have to watch the show? <laughs> the bro and an ashing song. And we're like, Sue, do you want us to sing a song? No, okay, we'll do it. Pal, somebody, mate, I just can't wait. Um, what is that, what is that, that was a song from a two-woman show we wrote, and we we really it needed an edit without a doubt. But we refused to give the audience what they purely wanted, which was a shorter version of that show. And um, <laughs> we developed a song in it at the end, where we sang a song to each other and harmonized. And it was like, "Pal, somebody, mate, I just can't wait to ride this shooting star with you. We're gonna be on TV, and the world's gonna see from our ratings." that we're the best TV chat show hosts that there could be. And our two characters were like these chat show hosts. And we decided to try and show that we were also musical, like insane musical talents up there with, you know, <laughs> Paul McCartney. and Beyonce. Beyonce, that classic duo. I was actually trying to remember one of the other Beatles. We were like, Paul McCartney and Beyonce. The Beatles. Um, the 12th member of the Beatles, Beyonce. Um... Yes, so that's that was one of our songs. We still sing it now, and we sing it to her daughter. And like, I think her wife's delighted with the break because her daughter is kind of not even two yet, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll put up with this. It's a bit of something, isn't it?" Oh, amazing. Okay, Ashing. Yes. A time where you had the last laugh. Yeah, this one, the last laugh, the one moment I do know that I'm really happy about, and I'll edit this around in many ways to sort of put a bit of dust over certain edges of it, is that I was doing a job. And it was early enough in my career and it was a sort of panel show environment. Mm. And I thought I'd had a good time, but like I hadn't, you know, totally learned the hows and ways of it. But there's also still no real version of it. At the time, I was like one of the few girls who was ever on these shows. And like it wasn't a big one or anything like that, but I was on one. And, you know, it was a sort of difficult record. It didn't sort of flow or play, but we were all doing our job and it was grand enough. But I remember I went to speak at the same time as this guy and I didn't know that I was supposed to, and still don't know this fact, 
because I refuse to learn it, that when a man goes to speak and I go to speak at the same time, that he would get like first dibs. Sometimes I should get first dibs. Sometimes he should get first dibs. But we both kept going, I think, I think, I think at the same time. And then I was like, I think that, da, 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 and I just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's the ideal way to do it. It's yeah. like a borderline between like getting your voice in, interrupting or taking your space. It's like hard to always gauge yeah. what's happening in the moment. Anyways, so later have, on in the bar. Hold on one second. Was this a rule on the show? No, this is just the nature of any conversation. Okay. Like a panel show, a dinner party. Okay. Like, it, and it can be, it's really important for the audience to hear your voice early on a panel show so yeah. they get used to you, especially if you're unknown, especially if you're the only girl in the in the environment. Um, but also, I often think like, if that happens to me now mm. and I'm like a bigger name for want of a better word and someone's more new, I will let them get in and I'll try and create an atmosphere where they can get in. I'm like, sorry, you were saying, John, yes, yeah, come on, let's go. Yeah. Um, but I've sort of always had a, I don't, because I didn't grow up with any men, the sound of a man speaking does not say be quiet to me. Just, it does nothing to me, to my body. I'm like, oh, he's still here. Um, (laughs) but anyways, in the bar afterwards, I was still kind of being like, oh, like, I hope I did a good enough job. And I could see he was sort of annoyed and I wanted to fix the situation. And I was like, oh, like, you know, hope I, hope I was okay. And, And like, maybe he was just having a bad day or whatever. And I was pushing it, like trying to find out, like, and I, I worried it was me, but it, it's really hard when you have a good, good instinct for scenarios, you know, something's up, but it might not be you. Yeah. It's a weird thing where you're like, have this gut feeling like, did I do something or should, is everyone just like not in great form and you should walk away? And I still find that hard to gauge sometimes. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, if you have any tips or anything for next time, he's like, well, the thing about panel show is Ashling, you know, um, the host is like, the dad, you know, and we're sort of like brothers, but like when, you know, daddy or whatever is talking, the little girl should shut the fuck up. And I remember going, oh, oh God, sorry. So, oh God, sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I just apologized, apologized, apologized. And then I went up to my hotel room and I bawled my eyes out. And then I, um, I, I the next day thought I'll give up and I won't do it anymore. And I felt so whacked. And I think... I felt so whacked whether I had interrupted or whatever. I didn't say anything controversial. I wasn't mean. I was kind. That can be annoying. But daddy, when the daddy's talking, the little girl shuts the fuck up, has uh, stayed with me for a long time. And I, I remember I rang the producer and I was trying to I say it happened to sort of say, I don't feel like that was totally right. And that producer had a great old laugh. And I was like, nah, that's really funny. And I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose it's funny. But it didn't feel great. It, it sort of made me a bit sad last night. And he was like, oh, well, you know what they're like. They'll say anything. And you're like, yeah, I suppose. Um, but now the little girl owns, owes, or, um, but now the little girl uh, earns so much more money than daddy. <laughs> um, I'd say my tax bill alone is probably what they earn in year. So yeah, to, to, I would just say to daddy, and I, I mean this in honestly the most kind, polite way, like suck my big fat dick. <laughs> so I suppose, but well, I don't know if I'm laughing. <laughs> I am when I look at me app, my banking, um, you know. <laughs> my revolute my revolute back up oh my god so yeah maybe that you know stunning stunning <laughs> that was absolutely perfect yeah I say that now I like, probably have a bit of a google I'm like oh god no one's working in America wow actually made quite a lot of money <laughs> daddy pick up my email <laughs> <laughs> oh my god amazing okay <laughs> 
sorry. Okay, Ashley. Mm-hmm. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Oh, whatever you gave me earlier on in the podcast. <laughs> Turn. Because I am loose-limbed and ready to move my hips around. Um, yeah, what is the best medicine? Uh, yeah, de- like, yeah, whatever medicine you gave me. I'm, I'm not sure. It's, is it legal? Was it legal? Did you have to have it on prescription? I'm sure you're not allowed to say, but I'm having a great time now. Uh, just going to say yeah. nothing. Yeah, uh, it was two paracetamol and a 7-Up, was it? <laughs> flat 7-Up. Yeah, flat 7-Up. What is the best medicine? Flat 7-Up. Um, yeah. Why, what do you think? What would you think if laughter isn't the best medicine? Oh, excuse me. Thank you. <laughs> I, you're not allowed to flip the questions. <laughs> excuse me. I've never thought about these questions before. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Thought, I hope I'm often asked. They're like, how would you? And I'm like, excuse me. And then I'm like, I literally. I just, Give me a day. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. No, like, I, basic answer is like chocolate, but no. Mm, I would say connection. Oh wow, okay. I think, uh, okay. yeah, I would say, yeah, that is a basic answer, dear, and you must feel real embarrassed. Imagine if I led you into that on purpose. I'd say a lovely bowl of cereal. Yeah, actually, neurologically, that's 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 not going to do much for you, though, um, if any of the science blogs uh, are being read. Um, one thing I would say is the feeling of being seen. And I think um, we were talking about that a bit earlier with eye contact, but feeling seen and acknowledged is for me hugely important and I don't mean that in an attention seeking way I feel like for anyone to feel like you're dismissed or you're not looked at or taken into account or seen is honestly probably one of the worst things for so many humans Mm. and I feel like that for whether it's um, in a relationship or a a group or a group of people within a society if you feel you are not being looked at you can either attract or feel you're not being worth something or you scream and shout trying in an effort to be to be to say can you see me now and so I think like connection and being seen is extraordinarily important and I'm not saying that I'm always successful at making people feel seen or doing it but it's something I've looked into as in like even why in relationships Mm. you feel like oh you can have all these conversations but the person doesn't get you or you just don't feel like your words were, were, were acknowledged or taken. So you're trying to over explain yourself or else you just go, no, I won't bother. Or, or maybe I'm not worth being looked at or not seen. So being feeling seen and having a connection, I feel really even like in terms of the medicine side of it. Like if you go to a doctor and they're like, oh, that doesn't sound great. Maybe a little look into that. You do sort of feel like, oh, my problems are a little bit like, oh, we're on the way to getting healed or whatever it is. But yeah. when a doctor goes, ah, sure, listen, you're grand. Worst. Worst, because you might be grand, but you've expressed a problem and you didn't feel seen. And I think a lot of people don't, even with the idea of toxic positivity, and someone goes, sure, what? but you're, listen, look at all the great things. You're like, I'm not asking you to look at all the great things. I'm not saying I don't know all the great things. I'm asking you for a moment to acknowledge what I've said. Yeah. And that's, I think, uh, a thing which I have to learn to do better. And we all have to do a thing to learn better, but it's definitely one of my triggers is when I don't feel like something I've said or flagged has been taken into account. Not saying that my voice is any more important than someone else's. It's just a little, oh, yes. So you mean this? Great. Yeah. You know. On the the toxic positivity thing, uh, do you listen to Brene Brown? Or have you ever... Do I listen to Brene Brown? Of course I listen to oh Brene Brown. God. I go to sleep listening to Brene Brown. So much. But I love... Thoughts and feelings about vulnerability. <laughs> Being in the arena. Yeah. One of the things that she said that I always go back to is like 
levels of, of empathy, right? Mm-hmm. And if say you have a problem yeah. and you tell it to someone like you're saying yeah. and they say, but look at all the people who are worse off than you. Yeah. It's that saying to someone that there's a limit on empathy. So, yeah. so it's like yes, saying, but I... all my, but all of our empathy should be going towards that. Yeah. And you're like, you're... no, I'm not asking. Empathy yeah. is like an, an unlimited resource. Yeah. Well, I say that, but sometimes it might not be. And it's worth exploring when you get that feeling is that a moment worth dismissing? Because maybe what you needed right now was beyond the capacity of the person you were talking to. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the time people ask you, how are you, Ashling? And you're, what they want to hear is, I have the capacity to hear fine or grand, not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, actually, I feel terrible because X, Y, and Z. And they're like, oh, well, I suppose, you know, could be worse. And you're like, I feel unseen. And you're like, no, you knobhead. They just like have had a long day yeah. and they're another person to have to deal with your shit. So it's trying to find the balance of when are those moments. And I, I have this therapist called Gloria who's in her 80s and she like survived living in London during the the, the um, blasts from all the bombs during the war and she's amazing and one of the things I love about her is sometimes you'll go in and go Gloria this happened and I felt very mother and just real depressing and la 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 and she goes oh that sounds awful and I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> actually do you know what it's not that bad though Gloria when I think about it now because actually I'm actually Grant and all I needed was someone to go an acknowledgement yeah and that's the same thing you see with kids when parents go oh did you fall or oh, was it sore ah okay oh and they go thank you me <laughs> But if you keep on going, you're, you're not, yeah, you're grand. They're like, ah, ah, and they're just like the levels go up. It's like, can you hear me now? It's like, yeah, we can all hear you now. We're at the table beside trying to have an intimate conversation. Just acknowledge your child. Just look them in the eye and acknowledge them. Acknowledge their pain. That's all they're looking for. And then they'll run away. Um, but yeah, so that's an interesting one of going like where in this moment. And I think it's worth, I definitely have found, like, I think we all have found this year difficult in that no one's had the capacity to look after each other as much as we'd all like because everyone's over their capacity and you're asking a friend to be there for you or you're the friend who's getting asked to be there for someone and you're like, I don't have it. I don't have the energy to, and this is, this sounds like a bad sentence, but like, I don't have the energy to listen to you now. I can't take it on. Yeah. It, it makes me too sad and I don't have enough in the barrel to go beyond my where I am now. And I think empathy for that is 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 worth it as well. Like I'm trying to have empathy for people I wish had been a bit more supportive during a tough period. But I'm like, oh, they didn't have it in them. And then certain things I'm like, ah, but you could have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a it's sort of finding the balance afterwards. The, the reason being exploring and analyzing the balance helps you. It, it can help you feel less bitter or kind of let go of that anger a bit because the anger just eats you up inside. I find like that's the definite like, you know, and, you know, there was that rumor when SimFast came out in the 80s and they're like, there's maggots in it and the maggots eat the fat out of you and that's how you get slim on SimFast. <laughs> that was the rumor going around our school. There was like, there's maggots in it and you just eat it and then the maggots live in your tummy and every time a sandwich goes in, the maggots eat it. Um, but I feel like that's almost like what anger does to your soul. Like if you put anger into your soul, like it's just the anger acts like the maggots and just eats up your soul. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely found that. And sometimes I think with anger, you feel like, but if I hold on to it, then I'm not letting them get away with their behavior. Yeah. And that's one thing I definitely find hard to find that balance between when are you like being a doormat for a circumstance and when are you actually giving yourself a gift by walking away from it in some way or detaching yourself from the situation. Okay, Ashley, are you ready for your quick fire round? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. 
<laughs> the actor you always laugh at Chris O'Dowd he's a friend of mine and he he's always looking for the way of doing a scene funnily or Olivia Coleman. I think I love hang her. on there's oh, an actress hmm. section oh there's an actress section great well the I, actress you always laugh at I, well I call myself an actor you see um, <laughs> uh, I don't go by gender in terms ah. of what I do it's just more star quality um, <laughs> so Olivia Coleman. <laughs> uh, uh, I love how she she puts comedy in places where you don't think there's going to be comedy in the script and I enjoy when people do that because that's more like real life beautiful the movie you always laugh at <sighs> maybe I always laugh at I don't love movies I tend to watch more action and plot like Lena Judy, like I know that's not a movie, but like I love things which make my brain work a bit more. Um, than com- I don't watch comedy because I feel like I'm watching work or I'm yeah. learning or taking something in. So I don't watch m- many, I don't watch comedy. I'm a bit like that. I don't, yeah, it's too much like work or like, oh, I auditioned for that. Why am I not in that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's bitter. But yeah, to sort of watch it with bitterness and resentment, which is not a great way for laughing. Um, unless something's a, a terrible lack of success. And I'm like, ha, 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 loss. Um, but I suppose I remember loving Happy Gilmore. Oh, yeah. And the, the doziness of some of the jokes and the repetition and stuff like that, like kind of the simplicity of the humour I really loved. Yes. You know? The comedian you always laugh at? Uh, oh, oh, I, I think it's a lot of my peers because I, it's very easy to sort of laugh at stuff when it's like really polished and on the edge. But when you know what they're going through or the work material. But one person who I can, she can land in anywhere like a parachute and I feel like she would land into any time and be immediately funny is Roisin Connity. She's bored, like it's, she can't, she can't not be funny. It's not within her ability to like just not turn something into a silliness. And she's someone who everyone in the industry blanketly finds funny. Yeah. She's not a, a type or a genre. She's a whole. Um, She's it. She is it. She is laughter. And finally, Ashling Dean. <gasps> Hurry up, quick, it's quick for me. Your best or worst joke? My best or worst joke? Oh, um, oh I, do you know, I said this uh, on stage and I was like, I said to Ed Gamble, who's another stand-up, he was emceeing this gig and I was like, um, Ed, is this funny? And he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> And I went down to quite this big gig. I think there's about a thousand people in. And I'm like, oh, um, my favorite, uh, I, I love sushi. 20 minutes in the microwave and it's perfect. <laughs> and Ed very loudly on a microphone at the side because the audience didn't really react. She went, boo, 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 into the audience, which at least was a noise. But I'll stand by the fact that I was like, I did it for me. <laughs> um, well, I, we loved it. Yeah, yeah, sure, listen. Column and Shane Turns out it. these were the only people <laughs> we needed. Yeah, my audience was actually in a sort of deserted building during a pandemic in Dublin. <laughs> Ashling, we've had, we've had a great laugh. I'm oh, sure that's the whole point. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our chat. Thank you very much, Diren. I'm delighted to have uh, given you some prescription medicine. Yeah, so I'm not sure if I did enjoy the chat. I think I did because I feel fantastic. But also, could that have been like, you know, the ecstasy we dropped before? Because it was a painkiller, but then there was the other thing you gave me. We did some techno in the bathroom. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ashley B. Thank you so much for sharing the last joy of life. joys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Laughs of Your Life podcast with Ashling B. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate and review. It really helps the show if you do. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios. 
This season of The Last of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco.